0: hey guys it's laura from the adventure games podcast here just about a year ago now i was speaking to Shorsha all about attending gamescom 2019 and how amazing that was and all the amazing games i got to see i think it was about 40 of them and that started off my adventure games podcast uh, experience so here i am again obviously gamescom didn't happen as it used to this year because of everything that's been going on this year. So instead, I int- attended a virtual Gamescom, um, which was interesting in its own way. It was definitely interesting to see the future of what games conferences might be like for some time, but I was still lucky enough to catch up with some developers um particularly from the publisher's um, application systems, Heidelberg. So it was great to have a chat still with um, some developers during Gamescom. The first person I spoke to was Francisco Gonzalez, who's obviously um, the developer from Grundislav Games and the game Rosewater, which is a Western adventure set in an alternate 19th century. I caught up with him and the first thing I asked him, of course, was, How's he been doing during the pandemic? I'm fine.
1: Things have been weird, obviously. Um, I mean, the the advantage I have is that I've been working from home always as a game developer so it hasn't really been a, a huge a, you know a, a huge uh, disruption to my life or anything or even to development I, it was funny because people were asking me like oh now do you have extra time to work on Rosewater I'm like no I have the same amount of time I just don't have a social life but I've been trying not to you know work outside of uh, like on weekends and stuff but I mean yeah no development's been going fine it's not it's going a little slower than I and it, had anticipated but i mean i've been doing things that i was planning on doing towards the end of production so it's i think i feel like it's going to balance out but yeah overall it's been it's been going well
0: can you tell me like whereabouts in development you're up to at the moment
1: yeah i mean i'm still on track for next year but yeah i mean the game itself is pretty much fully designed um the first of three is fully implemented it's not written yet i wanted to i wanted to write out the whole thing um on paper first and i haven't quite gotten there yet but i mean i'm slowly getting there um and like the art assets and stuff still need to be done. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pushing to try and get it as close to playable by the end of this year as possible, like from start to finish, obviously with like placeholder dialogue and stuff. My favorite thing is writing placeholder dialogue with stupid things like, I am now doing this. Oh my God, I am reacting to this now. <laughs> Whenever I post screens, people are like, you should have a special mode that puts that in the full game. And I think people don't know what that would actually be like, the experience. Yeah, it would be interesting. I don't know if it would be good, but it would be interesting. Um, but yeah, that's, that's basically where I'm at right now, just kind of juggling all sorts of the different... Uh, between design and implementation, and and art and stuff. So,
0: tell me a little bit about the gameplay elements, then, because obviously there's dialogue choices. I also looked like I saw a bit of kind of mini game element, like the shooting. Um,
1: I don't know if mini games is the right word. There's uh, so the, yeah, the trailer does sh- definitely show like a lock picking bit and uh, and a shooting bit. Those are puzzles more than anything else. Um, the, what I, what I really want to, I think the demo shows off, um, the, the tricky thing with the demo is like, it's the very first part of the game. So it doesn't really show off the, the sort of core thing with the, as far as like the relationship with the companion characters and stuff, but it does show off the idea of the, the multiple solutions because the demo has one main obstacle, so to speak. Um, and that particular obstacle has three ways around it. There's a very quick violent solution. Um there's a there's another puzzly violent solution. There's a puzzly logical solution to it. Um so so the idea is that you know you it's not like an RPG in that in in the sense that you're like customizing your character, but like you can you can try for different play styles at certain points. I'm trying to design the puzzle so that they have Uh, different approaches within the character because the character the main character is a former pugilist turned freelance writer so she can either embrace her violent past or she can try and leave it behind and that sort of struggle is part of her character development too. But yeah, so as far as like the shooting that that particular puzzle, it's not in the demo, but like you can either try and shoot well or you can try and figure out another way to do it. So, yeah, I, I figured, you know, I didn't want to put in I figured it's a Western. You have to have at least one bit of shooting, but it's not like it's I didn't want to do it like it, it's a fake out like, oh, here's a shooting sequence, but you, the you can't possibly win it sort of thing like you can. You can win it if you want to be, if you want to try your luck at like the shooting, the quick draw stuff or the, 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 the shooting stuff, (laughs) but, but it doesn't matter if you lose. Yeah. You can get, you can, you can approach it a different way. So, yeah.
0: And you were mentioning the companions there. Tell me a little bit more about how that's going to work in the story.
1: Yeah. So the, so the, the initial setup, you, you actually get to meet in the demo, you definitely you meet two for sure well three for sure actually um you can p- possibly meet the fourth one and you there's mention of the fifth one there's five of them total and um throughout the course of the first act you go kind of meeting them and they join your posse because the story is that you're going on a treasure hunt with them um and so the second act is basically the journey and it's comprised of like little storylets like encounters little vignettes like they're going you know they're they're going on the road trip, so to speak. Like the the idea I want is that this is, this game will feel like you're going on a road trip with your friends. So like, you know, they'll be going along and they'll see someone on the side of the road and, you know, you'll have a little encounter with that person. Like it'll be a short little one scene thing. Maybe there'll be a little puzzle, some dialogue or whatever. Then you have companion specific excursions. Like um, I kind of like to think about like fallout new Vegas, type thing where you had the companions and they had specific quest chains. It's not so much like the quest chains, but it's specific encounters that will be focused on a particular companion. And um, so like the vignettes are randomized, uh, so you won't necessarily get the same ones uh, as someone else during that playthrough. Um, the, the excursions also, there's two possible ones for each companion and those are dependent on what your relationship with them is like, because as you go through and like you do things and talk to them and stuff, your relationship with them gets affected. So they'll either like, you know, they'll like you or they'll be afraid of you or they'll think differently of you. Um, and basically that's based on how you treat them and how they see you do things and stuff. Um, and yeah, so, so... Also, the configure, I don't want to get too much into spoiler territory, but the conf, let's say the configuration of the posse at the end of Act 2 determines your path through the, the final act. Um, it's, again, not to, like, start, keep comparing to other games, but, like, kind of like Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, except okay, yeah. instead, of, instead of choosing the path, it's dependent on who's with you at that point.
0: It sounds like there's going to be a lot of replayability then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. I mean, it's hard enough to get people to play through a game once, but, <laughs> yeah, <sure. laughs> I, but I did want to, I didn't want to introduce that factor of like if two people are playing the same game and they're like, Oh, that scene where this happened was so cool. What? I didn't, I didn't get that. This happened. Oh, well, sorry. You know? Yeah. And I mean, I'm not going crazy with story branching, like the, the overall story, pretty much goes to the same place, but the path there changed. So it's it's about the journey, not the destination. God, I can't <laughs> believe I said that, but yeah. Um, it is about the journey though, yeah, so. Does
0: that mean there's different endings as well?
1: Uh, so the overall I, yeah, I mean, I haven't fully designed the ending, but my idea for the ending is that it's, it's the same base ending, but like the fates of everyone changes and you'll learn about what happened to everyone sort of thing. But overall, yeah, like it, it ends at the same point. Um, cause like the thing I learned from Lamplight city was that if you like screwed up a lead, for example, in a case and you locked off a lead of invest, uh, a path of investigation, that made people angry. So I wanted to, I wanted to do design it so that you know you could see something differently, but it wasn't like you know you can't see this particular scene. Like the important scenes will still happen. You'll still see everything more or less, but like you you might see certain things differently. Or like with the randomization of the the vignettes, like you'll see you'll have a different uh, vignette, but it's not like vital stuff that's being it's being locked out. And
0: tell me a bit about the uh, location, because as you mentioned, it's it's a western. It's set in the Wild West, which much which uh, must have been quite fun to come up with.
1: Yeah, it's fun. Um, I mean, the, I had a lot of fun coming up with the with the whole alternate history thing for Lamplight City and expanding on that and leaning a bit more into like the steampunk elements. For this one has been a lot of fun because i mean the steampunk thing was kind of it was there in lamplight city and it sort of served as a backdrop but it's a lot more prevalent to the plot in this one <laughs> so the the whole like treasure hunt thing is that they're going after the fortune of the scientist who was the lead researcher of ethericity um who mysteriously disappeared after a disaster in Lamplight City that caused Ethericity to be banned. So so that's, yeah, that's the, the sort of inciting incident. Um,
0: okay, so there is a bit of a link to Lamplight
1: City. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Like, you, you don't really have to have played Lamplight City. I'm trying to to explain everything that's relevant in this game as a standalone. But, I mean, if you played Lamplight City, you'll definitely pick up on the references. And there's at least one character that I'm bringing back very in a very small capacity. but um but yeah, like yeah, you don't you don't need to have played Lamplight City, but you'll definitely get a greater appreciation for the whole world if you did.
0: So talk me through the inventory in this game a little bit. How's that gonna work?
1: Yeah, so I kind of I was trying to figure out how to bring back the inventory and not run into the problem of the relying on the use everything on everything. Issue. You're not a fan of that approach. I mean, I feel like if you're playing a game and it gets to the point where you need to you're just like, well, I give up. I'm just gonna start using everything on everything. That that's just that's poor game design because it's it means that your goal is not clearly telegraphed and it just means that, you know, you're basically relying on brute forcing the thing, which is why you're not having fun. You're just like, oh, let's see what I have to do until until the, the next thing unlocks. And also just from an immersion point of view, if a character just responds with, I can't use those things together, that doesn't work. It's really immersion breaking because they're telling you no. (laughs) So what I did was I kind of reached a compromise. I actually pretty much took a page out of The Longest Journeys book and the inventory items you can use all the inventory items on characters like you can show them your inventory and they'll give you a custom response but the inventory items will only highlight and will only be able to used on, be able to be used on hotspots that require an inventory item to, as part of a puzzle so like if you encounter say a padlock on a door and you figure that you're going to need to use an inventory item and the solution is in fact that you need to use an inventory item on it you'll be able to use your inventory all your inventory items on it and hopefully get a custom message. That's my intent. We'll see where that goes. Uh, but like, you won't be able to click an inventory item on like a sign or, you know, a random thing that you can look at in the, on the screen. So, so yeah, like you'll, it'll highlight, useful things basically and that's that's kind of how i'm trying to streamline it
0: do you think that's how more games should be going more adventure games should be going you know trying to streamline the experience a little bit but not too far
1: i mean i think so that's what i like i I mean i don't want to speak for this is what adventure games should be like but yeah i mean that's that's personally how i would like it to be so i'm you know my philosophy is I, i try and design the game that i would like to play and hopefully other people We'll enjoy that as well. Because I mean, I know that there's been instances where games just like completely, well, <laughs> there's games that completely get rid of inventory like mine. <laughs> um, and that was sort of, you know, some people like that. Some people didn't like that. But, like, you know, other types of, you know, I don't want to name names, but I know of other games that completely streamline the process where they basically solve the puzzle for you. Um, and I think that's a bit too far in that direction because why bother having inventory if you're not going to to at least have some kind of puzzle related to it. But yeah, I, I, I think that's a, a step in the right direction to, to just minimize the potential for, for people to just sit there and not have fun and, and have it become work rather than playing a game.
0: And is it going to be fully voice acted?
1: It is. I still have to figure out how that's going to work. But yes, the intent is to have it be fully voice acted again.
0: And have you had any time to play any games yourself?
1: I have, actually. um, I've finally been trying to chip away through my backlog. Um, I haven't played too many adventure games. Uh, I finally got around to playing Life is Strange, uh, the first one. Uh and I enjoyed that. Um I've I've been playing Dishonored Death of the Outsider, which I've been enjoying as well. Uh I played Disco Elysium a while back, which was really good. And what else? What else? What else? I think that's it so far.
0: Well, as always, Francisco, it's been lovely to have a chat with you. Yeah,
1: likewise. Let me know. Uh, let me know what path you decide to go through. I'm curious. There's actually there's a there's a hidden extra 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 jerk way to salt to get through, which um, I'm curious to see if anyone finds on their own. So. Alright.
0: Next, I spoke to Dagmar Blomert from the developers Like Charlie about her game Ghost on the Shore, where you play as a girl called Riley, who finds herself stranded on a desolate island with a headstrong ghost trapped in her mind. Very scary stuff. And I asked her because the last time I saw her was actually Gamescom last year. What a change since
2: then in the game there has been a couple of updates um we've done when we've uh, had the demo play playtested a couple of times more like at first with the feedback that we got from gamescom we went back to the table and we started redesigning a couple of things we, uh, wasn't that gamescom yet was the sound design um, i think there was there was no music there were no soundscape um we've also uh the dialogues have been rewritten because they were still a little bit chaotic back at the time like there's more structure in it now like we you know the choices that you make uh, we build on them now like uh, that wasn't very defined yet back at Gamescom and what about the story Is that changed
0: at all or is that pretty much the same since the beginning
2: it is no, that's still the same. It's, the story has been the same. It's just been further developed. So we have uh, we have more characters. We have more flashbacks. We have now three islands.
0: <laughs> okay, tell me a bit more about that then, because uh, obviously there was only the one. I think when I played at Gamescom.
2: So you start with the uh, with the biggest island, which is the big rogue, and then uh, once you're done there, you know you end it with a sort of like cliffhanger, like you want to know more, so you go to the next island, which is uh, smaller. It's practically a was. Prior estate, uh, of somebody. And then, uh, you get another incentive to go search the third part where you have the whole, um, the climax. It's not entirely true, but I kind of see it like, you know, in a movie you have a three act structure. So third island is the third act. And so, for those who don't know
0: the storyline of Ghost on the Shore, how how does it start out? Tell us about the main characters.
2: So, um, Riley is the lead character, and she's a sort of, she's a well, sort of she's a reluctant hero because she, you know, it's a storm that takes her to the islands, and she had a different plans. She was going to go discover the world and go on adventures. So she ends up on these islands, uh, and she has a voice inside her head. So somebody who keeps talking to her, she can't get rid of it. And he can't let go either. So um, what they come up with together is that they're going to try and figure out who is, what happened to him, why he's still stuck there. And maybe if they can, you know, find some answers, they can figure out also a way to make him go. Because she just wants to go explore the world. And he doesn't want to be locked up in her head. And as they explore the island, uh, because there's nobody else left. I mean, there were lots of people before. There were communities. You, you find the, some relics, uh, some ruins. Um, and and we, we've worked a lot on that as well, but it's very layered. So you have you have the, the, the whole story of Riley and Josh is one story. And then there's the backstory, like what happened to him so many years ago and then in between those two layers there's a lot of stories from other islanders and you sort of piece it together and that way i was just thinking about that today is that because there's no other people on the islands and because you because you have to like um explore and turn up almost every stone. Um, you feel like you're interacting with the island itself and the islands become sort of like a character as well, even. Riley starts having visions and starts hearing things, which is also like as if the, the islands are talking to her. Like they, there, there is something that needs to be told. There is a story to be found out. So we worked a lot on that.
0: Tell me a little bit about the influences for the game.
2: Well, for me personally, I think... Uh, for the team as you know when it comes to game design and uh we of course have looked to um Biowatch, watch we have looked to oxen free um you know like they, they're amazing games you know would be stupid not to learn from it um you know what how, why do these games work so there's certainly inspiration coming from there but the core idea is always uh well not always for this game the core idea is narrative it came from me um and and i find my inspiration in in my personal life like this was a dream but i put it together with uh A tagline from a movie. I could tell you about it if you want. Oh, I think you have to now. (laughs) So, after our first game, and when Kenny and I realized like we're not done making games together, so like, oh my God, we gotta figure out a new game. I came across this um, uh, movie trailer of uh, Jamie Marks is Dead. And the tagline to that trailer was, How far would you go to be remembered? And I found that so, I mean, I love strong, raw emotions that like dominate your life at a certain point in time. Like for Mary's room, it was, um, it, it was hunger and being ashamed of that. You know, like what shame, what does that to a person? Like how far are you going to go to, to hide what you're ashamed of? And, and and this was like, okay, being remembered, wanting to be seen. And that reminded me of a dream I'd had a couple of years earlier. Uh, and in that dream, I had died and I had turned into a ghost and I was still roaming through the house that I lived in. And the people that I'd left behind were still at the house, uh, mourning me, grieving. And I wanted to comfort them. I wanted to be there for them, but there was no way for me to get to them. You know, like they were right in front of me, front of me, but they wouldn't see me, couldn't. And then, after a while it even wor- became even worse because they started getting over me, you know, they started moving on with their life. So I felt even lonelier. And when I woke up, that that strong, overwhelming loneliness stuck with me. And for, for a little while, even so I thought, oh, I could do something with that. And so I pitched the idea to Kenny, you know, about ghost being stuck and about love, love transcending death. And uh, and he
0: was sold. Wow! I mean, I wish my dreams were that productive. <laughs> <laughs> so is Josh ever playable? Do you ever get to play him, or is he always the kind of side character? He's always
2: a companion. We have considered that, but which was the scope became
0: just too big for us. And how different are the islands that you are mentioning? Are they different?
2: They are different. Yeah, they are. Even even the big work, like the, the demo, is is, uh, is is once you know. But, you know after the demo you turn a corner corner and you're gonna be in a totally different place. So the whole of the big rogue is gonna feel different. And then Little Rogue is like a you know like a private estate from the from the rich family that used to live there where they had bought the islands. Um and and then the dark rogue is what is you know what it says. It's it's what like, It looks very different. I'm not sure how much I should say already.
0: And in terms of the dialogue options you were mentioning, how do
2: they work? Whenever you have a dialogue, you have the wheel, you get all the dialogue options. You get to choose and because every answer is definite. So if you um, you don't get a second chance, just like in real life, if I say the wrong thing to you, you know, I'm going to have to make it up somehow or whatever that's the same in the game like we do know we're not creating real life we're creating a game so it's another set of rules at play but we want to like find that same rhythm like think about what you say and how you say it and we hope that a player will that will feel intuitive the way you respond because it's going to be different for everybody i mean can be that you like the sound of his voice or you hate you know you might fall in love with him or it might start feeling claustrophobic but he's always there always talking i mean you can shut him off he doesn't have a off button so so we leave that up to the player and depending on how you respond you come into different emotional states and those emotional states influence the story branch and ultimately the ending so, which doesn't mean i mean you can you can still change a bit it's like it's not if you if you've insulted him that you can never like make it up again but not if you've been an asshole for half an hour you can i'm not sure i can say that word but um uh, <laughs>
0: I think it's just like in real life, you know, if you're a pain to someone, they will be a pain to you. It's going to be a pain to you.
2: Exactly. And it's going to influence your experience. And and, uh, we're looking into ways how we can, you know, like have you find certain clues more easily or not, depending on your relationship. Um, But we'll see, but we're still experimenting with that part.
0: And how's it been uh, developing this during the pandemic? Has there been much of a difference or has it been... Pretty similar to what you'd be doing normally?
2: Um, well, for the team, there's not a major difference because me and Kenny, we both work full time now with a couple of interns. Uh, and the rest of the team, they all work remote anyhow. Like they work after hours, they all have daytime jobs still. But because, because it changed for a lot of people personally, like all of a sudden their daytime jobs were in their living room and there were children and my children were home so that was kind of a challenge um but um we figured it out and also yeah like the whole business side of things you know like financially we got delays everywhere but development-wise, i don't think we really hit we we didn't we never i mean maybe we maybe maybe we slowed down a bit but we never came to a abrupt end, end or something so
0: but probably gave you a bit more time to
2: have a few more dreams as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have lots of dreams. Notebooks full. No, if anything, it made me think about my own life and my work rhythm somehow, like, you know, like chill, take a, take a breather once in a while, you know. Because <laughs> that's one thing that I did love about COVID. Like, everybody, I think everything slowed down for a bit and, you know, we didn't have to rush anymore. So I want to take that into... The rest of the development in life as well like let's not rush anymore let's work
0: hard but let's not rush and have you been able to
2: play m- many games whilst you've been developing well not as much as i want to that's for sure um uh <laughs> I, I, the last thing that i played that i absolutely loved was um the return of the Obra Yeah, <laughs> it is brilliant yeah absolutely and then what i'm next on my list is uh I don't know how to pronounce it. Metasione? <laughs> oh, Metasione? That's the next one. That and Heaven's Fault. I haven't played that yet. still. So those two. Finally, I caught up with Lisa Evans, the illustrator
0: turned games developer from Wabi Sabi Play. She told me about her game Growbot, a point and click adventure about a robot saving her home from a dark, crystalline force. And I asked her, first of all, what 2020 has been like for her.
3: Ah, it's just all very surreal, I think. It's yeah, it's just um, yeah, it's been odd. I've got um, a four year old, so it's been um, he's starting school in September, but it's all just really weird things. Like, we had to um, have the meeting outside and the, the playground, and it was like a really wi- uh, windy day, and so everything's just very surreal mishmash of of things but
0: has it been easy enough for you to keep on developing during the pandemic yeah no i think and i mean
3: i feel so lucky really with games because i think you know it's
0: we already sort of just
3: nothing's really changed there um and it's a mixed mixed feelings with the events because it's i really look forward to seeing people i think it's one of the really awesome things about events um but then from a just you know it's also really good just to be able to put stuff, have it online and still get those wish lists and still have so it still, you know, functions um really well. But it's amazing how quick and adaptive like with the Gamescom booths and stuff. It's just yeah, it's cool. It's interesting. But yeah, so on the games front, no, it's been I've been really lucky
0: really. It's been great. And so for people that might not have heard of GrowBot before, tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah,
3: so it's um so it's a 2D point-and-click adventure about a robot uh, saving her home. No, I mean, it's a mixture of different influences, sort of sci-fis. I quite like R. C. Clarke's. Yeah, I really love that sort of, um, you know, the future of tech and everything's moving so fast. And um, it's like interests. I find that stuff really interesting. I'm not sure I understand it <laughs> particularly, but it's a nice thing with fantasy stuff. You can just kind of, you know shove it all in, in a way, and see what see what comes out. And, yeah, just sort of I mean, making the game as a way of exploring that stuff as well, I think.
0: Do you think what's happening now will influence either what you're doing or what other game developers are doing? Good point, Jim. Um, no, I
3: think it will. Like, I think it sort of, you know, it's kind of highlights the telepresence, the sort of avatar and all of that stuff. And, you know, like, I really wonder about the connection side, because... Um, just coming from like an arts background, like I did an illustration before games. So I'm used to working on my own and this um, like, co-working has become a new thing. Relatively. Like in my time, um, there wasn't a co-working space and stuff. And now, yeah, so it's just, it's interesting how COVID will change that. I think that's what we do. We just problem solve, don't we? Humans, we find things and try and find ways to <laughs> messily get around them. but.
0: Yeah, you say uh, you come from an arts background. I can definitely tell that. Um, Talk with you a little bit more the aesthetic of the game because it's quite unique, I'd say.
3: Um, I think I'm a bit of a one-trick pony. Like, um, I don't have many styles. I wish I did because I think it would be, yeah, awesome to be more adaptive there. Um, But, yeah, I just, it's kind of, it was almost a, that is just the style, I guess, my style. But I've never tried using those tools before or the kind of, the game, like the structure and and sort of um, the music as well, like it's created by Jessica, and it's so interesting to work, kind of create another style as a result of all the tech. I think.
0: And tell me a bit more about how the puzzles will work in the game. What kind of things we have to be doing?
3: Yeah, it's it's, it's tricky in the demo because kind of it's a narrative game, so you have to sort of cut it off at a point which doesn't tell too much and sort of showcases enough of the essence of the game. But I didn't want to put too much of a puzzle in there because i felt that would take up time and then so most of the puzzles in the game are to do with the machinery so you're sort of trying to work out how the world works and then by fixing this strange sort of mechanical machinery but i didn't want anything in there that was just slapped in there for the sake of it i wanted it all to make sense it's more important to me that people feel immersed enjoy the world and the kind of ambience and that sort of emotional experience than you know get frustrated i mean i'm not you know, I'm not massively puzzle-minded, so that was never going to be the foot that I lead on. So, And it has um, the Flower ranger which is a bit of tech, like a device that the robots have where they collect the sounds of flowers, and then they arrange them in the flower ranger. <laughs> I kind of like the idea, because I think it's like one of those things where flower arranging has another meaning, I quite like that, slightly passive-aggressive sort of thing, or it's kind of, oh, this is nice, or is it sort of thing, um, but it is, but it's this idea that you can make shields um, and different types of shields that can be used in different ways. So that runs throughout the game.
0: And what would you say the themes in the game are going to be? Then some of the like running themes, because we talked a little bit about you mentioned biopunk there.
3: I really like like transhumanism. I was really find that really interesting. Probably more so just from a sort of philosophical side. Like, an, um, I don't know if that really comes through in the games, but that was, I guess, the robots kind of being mascots. This sort of idea of and the ship of. Theseus and things where you're changing your parts as well and do you stay like what is left of you kind of thing um so i guess it's sort of there with the brain brain a pillar and but yeah i think and you know i do think tech and stuff's going to change so much and be curious to see just how you know the human spirit sort of changes to or (laughs) so i don't know if any of that is actually really where you find that in the game it's tricky with the spoilers of the game and like how much because that's another theme it's the theme of sort of playing god you know sometimes it's just that we already do that all the time but it's it's a theme that runs through the game where the geologists bring the robots to life and but they have to start somewhere and so it's basically the crystalline Uh, force is essentially where they started and it kind of you know you said well that went a bit wrong but we'll just you know sweep that to the side and so it's kind of the i was sort of quite interested in what happens to that like that's there's just consequences for everyone and it's just trying to explore that and yeah it's basically kind of your past thing catching up and yeah all the characters it's which ones are who's good, who's bad,
0: and that sort of thing. Does that make sense? <laughs> uh, yeah, it does. Yeah, I get what you mean. I get what you're saying. Um, in terms of an influence for your games, um, who, what kind of games have influenced you? Yeah, I
3: think the um, Caminitas games, actually, really the pacing as well. Like, um, I'm not really a big gamer, and like, and also the wistfulness, like the kind of melancholy. I quite like the combination of oh, I take your time, but also. And this atmosphere, yeah, I would say those, I just, I love basically the freedom of games and I'm sort of learning, trying to like, I've got so much to learn about, really interested in mechanics and how they can express different things too.
0: Yeah, so am I right in saying this is your first kind of foray into games at all? Yeah,
3: yeah, I sort of, so I was um, a freelance illustrator and then I was based in Bath, so I was at the Bristol Games Hub for a little while. And I kind of um, I thought, yeah, I really you know I really want to do, do do this, and I don't know what I'm doing. But um, so I tried a lot of different things that didn't really go anywhere, and then I found a plugin called Adventure Creator, and that's that's basically been the hook that's allowed me to yeah to make growbot. And I think it was hard at first, and then you sort of get into the flow, and then it's you know you're getting that feedback reward, so it's
0: yeah it's fun to do. Well, you know, I have to say, as your first game, it looks amazing. Um, I'm really excited to play it. Oh, cheers. Thanks very much. (laughs) What was it that made you want to get into games then? Um, I think it was like a combination. I've been doing illustration for a long time. Like, I
3: actually really wanted to do um, visual effects and... I still want to do an experiment with like 3D and just animation and try and like I wanted that more experience. I, can, I want to be able to chat with my characters and move them around and create more worlds. Um, yeah, and, and games, once you sort of try it and you think, oh, it's just, it's really hard to go back. Then then you're kind of, you sort of, yeah, you're getting, you can just do so much with it. There's so many different areas that you can dive into.
0: And just because the tools are available, what advice would you give to other developers just starting out?
3: I think it's coming, like, leading with your foot. Find the, the thing that you already have, like, your hook. Okay, this is a thing that I like and I do. And then basically make a game around that, using that. And just try not to, like, get bogged down by what other people are doing. Because it's I always find that just, if you ever want a reason to not do a thing, you go and you, I don't, like, it's a mixed bag, is that going Like, can I get inspiration? But then I'm also just, like makes you question yourself whereas I think if you just if you can find a tool um, if you're a visual artist then I think adventure creator is great because it's a visual free, um, interface and then you know get something up and running because when you can see a picture bouncing back at you and just getting that character moving that's a really big hook to keep going um but uh, yeah like I guess there's so many other um there's like verbal uh, interactive fiction isn't there different things there. Or, um, even like a sound. I think there could be so many like tools for sound games to be really cool.
0: Yeah, so tell me about the sound in the game. How did that collaboration come about? Yeah,
3: so that's um, all the music's made by Jessica Fisher and she's based in LA. And yeah, it was awesome when, I can't remember how we found each other, but she just created some samples and it it was exactly the right fit. Like it was just so nice to find someone and you just go, yeah, that's it. And then, And I really like when she puts some music in; the whole thing just changes, and yeah, and it's such a nice feeling. So I really loved working with her, and I'm hoping for this this final floor, like because there's a lot more auditory puzzles,
0: and so I'm hoping to work with her a bit more in the
3: the design. Hopefully, a bit.
0: Sounds like you're raring to go for the next game, then. Yeah, definitely. I've got um, a few
3: ideas, but it's tricky. It's the sort of because they take so long. You have to really sort of think, okay, well, you can't repeat what you've just done. You've got a new challenge. You're trying to work out, how am I going to do that? So I've got a few different ideas um, just to try and – because I think if you've got a completely unique type of problem to solve, then your brain's like, oh, yeah, (laughs) because I I think I've never shipped a game. But from what I hear, it's like a bit of a – people need, like, time to recover. They say you need time to recover. So I'm trying to, like, buffer that and think, all right, what can I do to try and avoid some of
0: that? So you're near the end with this one, though.
3: Yeah, it's um, that's the thing. So it's the, the final floor, and it's all mapped out, and we're kind of stuck into it. But it's all those, like, it's all the bits you can't see. That's the stuff that you can plan it out. But But, yeah, so I'm trying to finish everything for the end of the year. And, you know, there's no um, voiceover, so that should <laughs> be something. But, but then a lot of the words I've kind of made up, so I'm not sure how they'll translate into other languages <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> think about that when you're doing it. You
0: just think, oh, yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> So thanks very much for taking a listen to my Gamescom 2020 roundup. And if you like the sound of some of those games, go and check them out on Steam. Who knows what next year will bring for Gamescom, but it's great to know that at least we've got loads of games coming up to look forward to. Thanks again. I'll be back on the Adventure Games podcast with Shorsha and Thomas very soon. Don't forget, of course, you can subscribe. If you liked this episode of the Adventure Games podcast or any episode of the Adventure Games podcast, you can find us on the website, adventuregamespodcast.com. Please do subscribe and give us a rating if you enjoyed it.